Lord, I am grateful because of the things spoken you have brought to us this morning. For each person who gave us over their life here. Father, I ask for your blessing um, as we go into hearing your word, studying it, and applying it afresh. I ask you, Lord, to bless Pastor Billy and your Holy Spirit guide and direct him. And may your Holy Spirit guide and direct each one of us to receive your word and apply it afresh. I thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to be together. Speak through Ryan in your name. Amen. Follow me. Two words, dedication. Anybody remember what that's for? It's a ginkgo biloba. It's for your memory. You don't. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, I, I, I should mention though, just to be sure you are aware, and it's been in the midweek update for a couple of weeks now, I think. Um, but um, uh, at the congregation meeting this week, there's a couple items of business. Hopefully, this is this won't take long at all. But um, we do need to elect a couple of officers to church council. Uh, the, the elder and council are recommending, uh, rec- recommender, recommender and uh, uh, Margaret Lane uh, for congregation uh, chairperson, um, Greg Limer for vice chair, and um, Jenny Eskew for recording secretary. And then there's also uh, um, a motion from the elders recommending uh, the firm of West, Boyer, and Elmer. Uh, and so those would be the, the, the basic items of business. Um, uh, next Sunday, hopefully, we'll get to that. Because there'll be some reports and updates and that sort of thing. So I hope you can stay for a few minutes after the service next week for that. Hallelujah. Uh, praise the Lord. Well, it only uh, took us uh, to the fourth Sunday in January uh, to get together in person uh, here uh, this year. Today's January the 23rd, and this is actually the first time we've met in person this year. Um, and now... Uh, I have to say, I am strongly supportive uh, of the decisions you made the last three weeks uh, to, to, to not meet in person. I think those were the right decisions under the circumstances. But I also need to say, uh, and, and I believe you really need to hear, although maybe 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 you guys here don't need to hear, um, that gathering for worship in person is incredibly important. It's not just nice, it's crucial uh, to God's plan for life as he intended it to go. And I am grateful for the capacity that we have, the ability that we have sometimes to uh, uh, worship remotely when that's proved necessary. It's been a great blessing these last couple of years. Um, but virtual worship is simply not a fitting substitute for the in-person gathering together of the people of God. So uh, I need to urge you this morning uh, not to treat remote worship that way. Uh, please, please, please don't be led astray by the remarkable convenience of uh, virtual worship. Uh, and when the inevitable temptation comes to stay home in your comfy pajamas, when you could and should gather with the people of God, I encourage you to press through and, and join us together, uh, reminding you the corporate worship, the public gathering together of the people of God uh, is not just a nice religious practice. It's actually the command and the expectation of God. And it is something we need as his people. So anyway, as we, as we plow into this new year, I believe it is time uh, to get up and get moving again into the things God's calling us to. For nearly two years now, our energy and our attention have been heavily occupied with COVID mitigation and COVID management. The necessary has been important. I think uh, the, the, the elders, the staff, 
God working through that and keeping us able to gather during that time. But I believe the time has come to start moving forward again. One day at a time, as Pastor Matt encouraged us a couple of weeks ago, uh, but nevertheless with a steely commitment and intentionality and high expectation. But if we're going to do that well, we need to do it right. And uh, so I want to refocus us this morning, if I can, or perhaps remind us this morning of, of some very fundamental, important things as we start into that. So as we get moving uh, today, would you stand with me, please, as you're able, in honor of the Word of God. We're going to read together the first four verses of uh, the epistle lesson from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that, that was from Romans 6. We're going to read Romans 6, verses 1 through 4. If you're with me here in the Center for New Life, this will be the plain, the plain text. If you'll join me in reading the highlighted portions, and those of you worshiping with us virtually can just read the text as it pops up there on the screen, and we'll walk through it together that way. But Romans uh, chapter 6, beginning verse 1, then this is the slide for today. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. And you may be seated. Now, if you've paid much attention at all uh, to my teaching over the years, you know that I am emphatic on the issue of why God saves people. And I'm emphatic on that point because the truth is I find so many Christians who get it wrong. If you are a Christian, if you've received the grace of God through Jesus, if you've been baptized into Jesus in the name of Jesus, then you really need to know why. You need to understand the point and the purpose of God in sending Jesus for you. You need to understand it clearly. You need to understand thoroughly the point of your baptism and the purpose behind your salvation. And that means, among other things, that you need to understand the point is not to get you to heaven. Rather, the point is to get you to God, to restore you to God and the purposes of God, just like we talked about and sang about a few moments ago. It's really less about God blessing you than it is about you blessing him. And a failure to really grasp this foundational reality has led to all manner of problems and difficulties in the church over the years. If you don't get this one basic concept right, the truth is you're going to misinterpret and misunderstand huge portions of Scripture. And in all likelihood, your basic understanding of Christianity will actually be fundamentally flawed. Because whether you mean to or not, it's likely that your view of Christianity will be primarily focused on you and on what you can get out of it, rather than being primarily focused on God, His glory, His purpose, and His pleasure. Without ever meaning to, and likely without even recognizing it, the 
it's likely that you will live day in and day out largely for yourself. When ironically, giving your life to Jesus was intended to put an end to that forever. So look with me again, if you would, at Romans chapter 6, verse 4. It says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, say in order that, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. In this verse, the Apostle Paul plainly states that if you are a Christian, then you were baptized, you were saved in order that you might live a new life. Now, in God's economy, salvation always moves. It moves from death to life. First, you die with Jesus, buried with him through baptism into death. You die to yourself. You die to self-centered, self-seeking, self-serving ways. Self-centered, self-seeking, self-serving lifestyles. And out of that death, God raises you into a new life in Christ, a life lived for God, in God, with God, to God, and through God. It's what Jesus was alluding to when he said, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. So Paul writes, you were buried with Christ, connected to Christ, united with Christ through baptism into death in order that you might live a new life. Death to self then is not the point. You'll find any number of Christians around the world whose emphasis, whose focus is on got to die to self, 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 Jesus, got to die to self. But that's not the point. Death to self is not the point, and heaven isn't the point either. The point is a new life, a new way of life. In other words, the point of salvation is the change that comes from it. In fact, in many ways, the essence of the salvation God offers in Jesus is that change. And it's not fundamentally a change in my health or in my bank account, but it is fundamentally a change in who I am and in how I live, in how I respond to God and how I treat other people, in how I handle money, how I handle sex, how I handle success, how I handle failure, and how I handle the truth and in how I handle the powerful urge on occasion to lie. It's how I respond to temptation and a change in how I respond to hurt, insult, and disappointment. And how I respond to authority, and most especially to the authority of God. Listen, if you've been baptized, you were baptized to be changed. You were baptized, buried in baptism, raised to walk in a new life and a new way of life. Buried through baptism into death in order to live a new life. For too long now, many Christians in our culture, and especially I hear many charismatic Christians, 
have misunderstood the point of their salvation. For some, the point is not to be sick, or not to be poor, or not to go to hell when they die. But Romans chapter 6 puts the context of your baptism squarely in the context of not living in sin, but rather living to God. In other words, it's less about not being sick and more about not being selfish. It's less about not being poor and more about not being petty or prideful. It's less about being healthy and happy and prosperous than it is about being holy, righteous, and good. Less about living in comfort than about living in God. Don't forget, after all, that we enter into this new life by dying to ourselves. Listen to some of these scriptures. In Galatians 2, the Apostle Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Romans 14, he writes, if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he writes, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. In Philippians 3, he writes, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Listen to Jesus in Matthew 16. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus again in Luke 14. In the same way, Any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. How can anyone read these scriptures and imagine that Christianity is somehow fundamentally about me being chipper? I have a concern with what I see and hear sometimes among professing Christians. There is so much fixation sometimes with Christians on being blessed and feeling blessed. So much consternation sometimes among Christians when things aren't going all that well. So much consternation, honestly, over things that are simply often part and parcel of life in this fallen, broken world life on this side of the fullness of the eternal kingdom of God. Listen, in this broken world, there are real griefs. There are real tragedies. Some people in this world encounter unimaginable horrors, awful things, shocking things beyond the pale of what anyone could ever imagine in life. I'm not really talking right now about that. But far too often I find that when the normal challenges of life arise, many Christians wring their hands as if 
like something strange were happening to them. As if, you know, it's something that shouldn't happen to them. Something that wouldn't happen to them if they had just you know, prayed harder or uh, had more faith. I'm troubled that, that, that too often when the normal challenges of life come around, any number of Christians start to worry that the devil's somehow on the loose in some strange new way. Then they start to hunt for magic bullets, some special prayer that they can pray or some prophetic act that they can do and suddenly make everything right again. That response, to be honest, often stems from a failure to understand why we were saved and baptized in the first place. From believing you were saved, first and foremost, in order to be blessed, rather than, as the Apostle Paul writes, in order to live a new life, a life like the one modeled by Jesus, a life lived to God for God, whether or not it involved many challenges. A little later in the same passage, a little later than what we read, Romans chapter 6, verse 10, the Apostle Paul writes, speaking of Jesus, the death he died, which by the way is the very same death you and I are baptized into, the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lived, he lived to God. The death he died, the death you and I are baptized into, is a death to sin and to self. The life Jesus was raised then to give us is a life lived to and for God. A brand new life, a brand new way of life in righteousness and holiness for the glory of God and the benefit of others. And by the way, I, I want to be clear lest you get the wrong idea here. This isn't the life you just go... Try, try your best to squeeze out. It's the life you receive. It's the life you're given. It's the life that comes to you by grace through faith in Jesus that we learn to walk in, that we learn to yield to, that we learn to access by the leading of the Spirit as we walk with Him. This new life, the Christian life God has for you, is fundamentally about becoming a new person a very particular kind of person, someone who looks like Jesus, and then offering that to God and to the world, to God and to others, loving God, loving people, serving God, blessing people, worshiping God, and helping people. You were baptized, you were saved if you've been baptized in Him, to become that and to live like that, which means that is what we should be focused on. Sadly, when we misunderstand the purpose of our salvation, if we begin to think that the main thing is to be happy and carefree, that even begins to distort our efforts of ministry, our attempts to help other people. I, 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 I see sometimes Christians who see other Christians who are hurting and struggling, and sometimes it's as if they imagine what those hurting, struggling people need more than anything else uh, is to be cheered up. 
it's as if their main goal in ministry is to convince them that it's not really all that bad or that it's going to be good really soon. Sometimes they act as if their main job in ministry is to convince them that they're, they're, they're going to be healed or their loved one's going to be healed or they're going to get that job they're praying for or they're going to get that thing they're hoping for. When the truth is an awful lot of the time, what they really need to do for that person is make them a meal or buy them some groceries or take their children off their hands for a while or just go over there and sit down with them silently and listen to them or just be with them. In Jesus' great parable, the sheep and the goats, the sheep were not commended for speaking positive words to the needy. When they saw the hungry, they gave them food. When they, saw, when they saw the naked, they gave them clothes. When they saw the sick, they went and sat with them. And though it's not in the text, I rather suspect when they sat with them, they also managed to help out with the dishes in the house. Christians shouldn't wring their hands when folks get sick or laid off or evicted or whatever. Rather, they should jump right into the middle of it with chicken soup and spare clothes with child care and rides to the doctor, and maybe with a spare room to stay in for a while if that's needed. Without a doubt, sometimes what people need most is hope. But the hope they need is hope in God and hope in the coming eternal kingdom of God in all of its fullness in a new heaven and a new earth. They do not need hope, a false hope, that everything in this world will always turn out roses. As the born-again, baptized people of God, we're called to live a new life, a life like the one modeled by Jesus, a life that we receive by grace from Jesus, loving God, loving people, serving God, blessing people, not a life where everything's hunky-dory or even where we pretend it is. There's this powerful, powerful verse at the beginning of uh, Philippians chapter 1. Uh, I went over it a little bit with Bella this week. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, the Apostle Paul writes, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The good work, listen, the good work God has begun in you, the good work God has begun in you is precisely this work I'm talking about right now. It is the work of changing you. The work of bringing forth in and through you a brand new life. A life like the life of Jesus. A new way of life. For the glory of God and for the benefit of many. And having begun that good work in you, I promise you on the authority of the Bible, it's every intent of it will be fulfilled. By the way, do you know what it looks like uh, when he does bring that work to completion in you? It looks like Jesus. It looks like Christ in you, the hope of glory. It looks like Jesus fully formed in you, living out his life through you. And I believe the beginning of this new year Pastor Matt encourages the beginning of this new day is a perfect time for each of us to refocus on this crucial point 
of our salvation, this precious purpose of our baptism, and recommit ourselves to living this life, walking out this life for the glory of God and the benefit of those around us. Having been buried with Christ through baptism into death, may we go forth today into new life, dead to sin and self-interest, but alive to God through Jesus Christ. We close with these words from the Apostle Paul. Take them personally. I think they were written for us. Dear friends, now, right now, we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when we see him, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies themselves just as he is pure. Father God, as always, we thank you for the power and the clarity of your word. Your word that instructs us. Your word that brings life to us. Your word that introduces us to you and to your purposes and your plans for your own glory and for our benefit. Lord, we pray as we move into this new year, as we begin to plow into this new year, as we move into and plow into this new day, Lord, empower us by grace through faith to walk out that new life you've set within us. May we reckon ourselves dead to sin, dead to all the, all the old things that used to weigh us down, but alive to you through Christ Jesus our Lord. Grant us faith and help to live out this life for your glory and the benefit of many. In Jesus' name, amen.